0: Hi, I'm Curtis Hill, and you are listening to The Extra Point. Thank you for downloading The Extra Point. Even as I record this episode, my heart is still full from this past Sunday, December 8th, 2019. We really sense the Lord's presence at our worship services at Ogletown. We saw many people join our church. And then we heard two brothers, two sisters, profess their faith in Jesus Christ and get baptized. Their testimonies were powerful. I'm pretty certain this past Sunday will be a day I will not forget for a long, long time. It had a great impact on me and I talked to many people at our church and it was a special day. We are grateful for those days. I want the Extra Point to be a place where I can share a little more of what's on my mind, especially related to the Sunday morning message at Ogletown. This past Sunday, I preached from Isaiah 6, and it is so loaded that it's hard to say everything you want to say in 30 minutes or so. So I am grateful for another avenue, another vehicle to talk a little bit more about this passage that I love so much. Isaiah 6 is this vision of the Lord. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. He hears angels, seraphim calling one to another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And then Isaiah says, I'm unclean, woe is me, I'm lost, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. Then there's this picture of God sending the seraphim to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, as this seraphim touched my mouth, he says, behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. Now the Lord says, whom will I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. It's just a loaded passage and I enjoy it so much. There is so much more, frankly, There are always things that I could have mentioned, and I recognize there are things that I could have taught more clearly. Uh, So the extra point gives me a chance to clarify some things and to dive into God's word even a little bit deeper. One question that I received, I think it's a helpful question. I just mentioned at the beginning of Isaiah 6 that this all happened in the year that King Uzziah died, and I didn't get into the history of Uzziah. A question I got is, was Uzziah a true believer? And so I felt like this would be a good opportunity to dig a little bit deeper into this king that is mentioned right there at the beginning of Isaiah 6. So scripture records that Uzziah was made king at age 16, it says he reigned for 52 years. So his story is told in a couple of different places. One of those would be 2 Kings 15, another of those would be 2 Chronicles 26. 2 Kings 15 says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And according to Though to the writer of the Chronicles, in Second Chronicles 26, 16, it says, When Uzziah was strong, he grew proud, and this was to his destruction. He entered into the temple of the Lord and tried to act like he was a priest to offer incense, and he was warned not to do this. And in response to his actions, uh, the Lord struck him down with a skin disease and He was disqualified for being king and really lived out the rest of his days in isolation and abandonment. Frankly, it's hard to know. We're not told in the Old Testament whether people like this are are true believers all the way to the end in the one true God. But I will say this. There are many kings that it gives just strong words of their apostasy. their turning away from anything uh, related to God. There are, there are kings where it's clearly they turned away and rejected everything of God. I don't find that when it says, when it gives us the story of King Uzziah. So this is what I do here in 2 Chronicles 26, verse four. It says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse five says, he set himself. So that that seems to me heart words here. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And it says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So there is a more intentionality in his heart to seek god and then in verse 16 it does say when he was strong he grew proud so this is second chronicles 26 he grew proud to his destruction but it says he was unfaithful to the lord his god so i balance something here i balance with he was unfaithful in that act but it does say the lord his god so there seems to be something personal about uzziah where he was one of those that is a true follower, a true believer in God, in Yahweh. And so in in my mind, it seems like scripture is giving us indication he was a, a believer, even though he had this massive sin at the end of his life. Another question I got, again, that I did not dig into that deeply this past Sunday, but I think it's a super helpful question. And that is, what does the title Lord of hosts mean? So in Isaiah 6, uh, recognizes that the Lord is the Lord of hosts. And actually, this is mentioned many times in Isaiah and other places in the Old Testament. What does that mean, that he is the Lord of hosts? I mentioned even that he is a, a Lord of armies. So why did I use that word in my message? When I hear the Lord of hosts and you begin to read, the way you can determine the meaning of this word especially is by just looking at all the different places it's used. And so often it's used in war situations with military connotations. So this seems like it is describing Yahweh, the Lord's role, as the Lord of the heavenly armies. Are those angelic armies? I think that would be included in this. He He is the Lord of the armies of heaven. So even in this passage where you have seraphim going back and forth, the burning ones, going back and forth saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Is the lord of hosts i think you get a picture of he is the one in charge here uh, he's also the commander of all the forces in this world the forces for good and right so he is the commander of those so you almost get the picture of like this commanding general other places it, it in and even in this passage in isaiah it seems like he is the head of a divine council of beings. So I think these are indications of the Trinity. I don't think it's explicitly said, but I do think we get enough evidence in passages like Isaiah six that God is in more than one person. Although it's one essence of God, it's almost like there's the National Security Council in our minds, or, or the leaders in the Pentagon, and the Lord of Hosts is the the head of this council, and he's the leader even of Israel's army. So uh, those are just some ideas of what this title, the Lord of hosts means. Another question I got is this, how could Jesus become sin if he is perfect? And so this question comes from a comparison I made from this passage in Isaiah 6, where the seraphim take something from the altar, a coal, a burning coal on the altar and touch Isaiah's lips. And I made the comparison that this is just a picture. It points us to Jesus who actually became sin for us. And where I get that is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin. He's the one who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is a great exchange that we enjoy. In Christ, we become righteous, but God made him to be sin, the one who knew no sin. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 is pulling largely from another passage in Isaiah, actually. So Isaiah 53, and you might have heard these words before. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely, and I think this is wholeheartedly pointing to Jesus, Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. So in symbolic but very real way, Jesus is bearing our griefs, carrying our sorrows. And then it says in verse 5, He is pierced for our transgressions. He is crushed for our iniquities. And then it says upon him, he is going to bear the chastisement, the punishment that brings us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him being Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So I think the picture that I get in 2 Corinthians 5 is God made him sin. In essence, he is bearing our sin. He is bearing our iniquity. He is bearing our punishment. He is bearing our transgressions. Even though he's perfect, he is bearing all those things, paying for all those things on the cross. Even 1 Peter 2, 24 says, he himself bore our sins and his body on the tree. Just like Isaiah said, woe is me. I'm under a curse. I'm I'm lost. I'm ruined. I'm headed toward death. This is what Jesus endured for us, not for his own sin, but for ours. So that gives a, a little deeper picture into some of these references that I was making, some comparisons I was making between this passage in Isaiah 6 and the work that Jesus did for us. And one more question was, why did the seraphim cover their eyes, cover their feet? It uh, To me, it gives a picture of just the holiness of God. So the holiness of God means we recognize pretty quickly we are not even worthy to be in that presence unless the Lord invites us there. So as always, if you'd like to get in touch and ask a question for a future podcast, or even just make a comment, please shoot me an email at chill at ogletown.org. I'd be happy to see if I can include that. Really my burden for this passage, and I do wanna share it again. My prayer is that Bible verses like this, passages like this, drive us to care about those who need to hear and those who have never heard this good news of a holy God who has made a way possible for us to be clean. It says in Acts 28 that Paul, many came to him even while he was under house arrest. And from dawn to dusk, he expounded, he testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus and some were persuaded by what he said and others didn't believe. But it was Paul's goal that this salvation of God would be known. And so that was his burning heartbeat. That's my heartbeat. And I just wanted... Uh, to at least end with some words of encouragement about that. This passage of Isaiah 6 is one of the two or three passages in the Bible that really shaped my call to ministry. So I remember being in even elementary and middle school and hearing a passage like this, who will I send, who will go for us? And the plea of here I am, send me, and something about that resonated in my heart. And I think God used Isaiah's response, here I am, send me, to really be on my heart of saying, that is the way I want to respond. If God wants me to go into ministry, if God wants me to preach, if God wants me to pastor, I want to say, here I am. I will do what you want. And because of that, I've always been partial to songs that bring this scene to life. So in the show notes, I'll link to several songs that come from this passage that when I hear them, it takes me even back to a moment where I felt, I want to be obedient just like Isaiah and say, here I am, send me. So I want to link to a few of those songs. Maybe some you'll enjoy. Some are from the past. Some are more, more recent, but they they certainly speak to, to my heart and my desire in the holiness of God. I want to respond by saying, here am I, send me. I, I'll tell others about it. Well, I'm sure there's much more we could talk about, especially from this passage, but I hope even a little bit more time on Isaiah 6 has served you well. I want to say bye for now and thank you again for listening this week to The Extra Point.